Open your Bibles with me to Zechariah chapter 12. We have made it to Zechariah chapter 12, and I am very excited about what I get to communicate to you today from the Word of God. Zechariah chapter 12. I mentioned this in the Sunday school hour. Um, we, so I, I was preaching in New York all this week, did 15 sessions on Bible prophecy, and it was a blast. We had a great time. And, uh, but during the day, on two of the days, we were able to go and look at some things. So we drove up to Lake Placid and saw where the Olympics were. We stopped at this waterfall. And so uh, James Wiley and John Hawkins and I, we went across the, this stream to go and get pictures in front of the waterfall. As we were coming back, I learned a lesson that you don't cross a stream wearing bifocals. And so the rocks aren't quite where I thought they were. I fell, messed up my hand. So it's nothing serious, but I'm not shaking hands with my right hand. I'm going to fist bump you or whatever, but my hand is a little messed up. So if you're wondering why I'm doing that, it's because I'm old and uncoordinated. So that's, that's the answer. Um, man, it's good to see the epic class. And I'm, I'm sure that they told you that uh, Michael Scott will be speaking in your class next Sunday morning. So that's, that's going to be really cool for their class. And if you're able to make it to the couples retreat, Michael Scott is one of our favorites. Um, he's a young man. Well, I guess he's early 40s now. So that's still young, right? That's getting younger all the time. But he's an author. He is a, he's a Ph.D. He's, he's really a special guy. And uh, some of you haven't met Katie yet. Michael's been with us, but now you get to meet Katie, his wife, also. So we're really looking forward to that. Let's have a word of prayer, and we'll dive into the message this morning. Lord, thank you for your word. And we've sung about it. We've sung about uh, your, your blood that was shed. And so this morning, I pray that today will be uh, just honoring to you. But Lord, I pray also that we are encouraged and that our faith is strengthened by what we have in the book of Zechariah. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to deal with verse 1 today, this evening. It's really important that you be here for this evening. It's interesting. I get a lot of questions about Bible prophecy and those things, we're getting into some really deep, serious stuff tonight. So if you're able to be here tonight at 5 o'clock, it's really foundational for understanding what the Bible says about some of these things. So I hope that you can make it back here tonight. But let's look at Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 1. The burden of the word of the Lord for who? Israel, Israel saith the Lord. Now we learn something about God, though. The burden of the word of the Lord for Israel, saith the Lord, which stretcheth forth the heavens and layeth the foundation of the earth and formeth the spirit of man within him. Now look at what the Bible says about this, this, this Lord that we worship. He stretcheth forth the heavens and layeth the foundation of the earth and formeth the spirit of man within him. Now, I want you to notice a couple of things about the God that we worship. When the Bible describes God, it generally gives two things that demonstrate who he is. And the one thing is whenever God identifies himself, almost every time he's the creator. He's the creator. And is there anything in the world that is more under attack right now than the doctrine of creation? The fact that God created the world. The other thing that God does to demonstrate that he's the creator 
and that he has revealed himself in the word is to demonstrate that through biblical prophecy because only God can prophesy and have that come to have that come about. But I want you to notice a couple of things. Let's read verse 1 again and then we're going to go to the book of Isaiah. The burden of the word of the Lord for Israel, saith the Lord, which stretcheth forth the heavens and layeth the foundation of the earth and formeth the spirit of man within him. What God does, look at Isaiah chapter 44. Isaiah chapter 44. One of the things that God does in this text is he's about to tell us what's going to happen with Israel. He's going to define the end times for us. Chapters 12, 13, and 14 of Zechariah contain some of the most powerful prophecy in all of the word of God. So what he's saying is his right to declare these things about Israel has been established because he created the world and then he, he formed the spirit of man in him. Look at what the Bible says about creation in Isaiah 44 and verse 6. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, that's the Redeemer of Israel, the Lord of hosts. And remember, every time you see the Lord of hosts, that's Jesus Christ returning with his angels in power to take vengeance on the earth. All right, so verse 6 again. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first and I am the last, and beside me there is no God. Now, how does he demonstrate that? And who? As I shall call and shall declare it and set it in order for me since I appointed the ancient people and the things that are coming and shall come, let them show unto them. Fear ye not, neither be afraid. Have not I told thee from that time and have declared it? Ye are even my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God. I know not any. What is he saying? You can trust me because I'm the one that can tell you what's happening. Can these other people, these other images that claim to be gods, can they tell you what's coming? No, there is no God beside the God that we worship. Amen. I want you to think about this. How many of you have ever had trouble in your life? Yeah. Yeah. The Bible says that man's days are full of trouble. And you young people, let me just tell you something. Trouble is coming. <laughs> That's life. That's life. That's why, let me just, can I digress for a moment in my sermon? For, for the parents of our young people, uh, for example, Jacob, his first semester at school, had some bummer roommates. Now, how many of you ever had bummer roommates at some point? If you're married to them now, don't raise your hand. We don't want to. We don't want to talk about that. But, and you know, we we kind of felt bad for him. But after we'd get off the phone, we'd laugh because he'd had a pretty easy life and a little bit of adversity is good for him. Amen, adults. Isn't that just? Isn't that just the truth? How many of y'all work with somebody that you really just don't really like very much? So what are you going to do? Quit your job? Kill them? What are you going to do? You just you put up with it, right? You just because that's life. It's just the way that life is. You're going to have trouble. And one of the things that we as parents try to do is we try to remove all the trouble from our children's lives. I don't think that helps them very much, 
right? Now, we want to protect them enough to where they live long enough to experience trouble. So we try and take away that kind of trouble. But, man, it's good for kids to face adversity. It's good for all of us to face adversity because that adversity, it just makes us stronger. But one of the things when we're in adversity that's so good for us to know is the God that gives us breath knows exactly where we are, and he knows our future. And he loves us. He loves us. Look back at Isaiah. Go with me to chapter 46. Isaiah chapter 46, look at verse 9. The Bible says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me. So that is our command to study history, of course. Look at, but look at what God says about himself. Declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. So God is identifying that he is going to tell the future. That's how you can know who God is. Go back to Isaiah chapter 45. Look at verse 7. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Now... I know that, that that statement, I create evil, that kind of can, can give you pause. What he's talking about here is not moral evil, but the trouble that comes to Jerusalem. If you, it comes to Israel. If you want good, do good, and I'll create good for you. If you reject me and walk against me, I will bring evil into your life. And by evil, that's evil circumstances. He's not going to bring about moral evil, all right? But notice what he says, I form the light and create darkness. Look at verse 12. I have made the earth and created man upon it. I, even my hands, have stretched out the heavens, and all their host have I commanded. I like the way that that says it. He stretches out the heavens. And here's what's amazing about that. Just try to imagine the vastness of the heavens and how our creator, he stretched that out. He lays the foundation of the earth. Is that power? That is amazing power. Look at verse 18. For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he hath established it, he created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is none else. How about all of these people that talk about overpopulation? Right? That, that the problem with the earth is that it's overpopulated. I think these are people who have never stepped foot outside a city. If you've ever driven across the United States, there's a little room left. Isn't that interesting? So I suppose if you're in Manhattan, you might think that it's overpopulated. Just drive about 20 miles outside of Sydney. Is there any open space? Any open space out there? It's just crazy. God created the world to be inhabited, and the world can handle the, the earth that God created can handle as many people as God allows to live on it. That's right. Don't worry, young people, you hear about overpopulation and how our natural resources are being depleted. Liar, liar, pants on fire. We've got all the natural resources we need. Now, who here has been to Africa? You ever been to Africa? Anybody here? 
And be like, there's lots of stuff there. The whole world could move to Africa and live there with the natural resources that are there. It's just people are crazy. These environmentalists, young people, you have to understand, the people that write your textbooks and talk about global warming or they had to change it to climate change, they're just nuts. They, they are earth worshipers with literally no common sense. Let me just tell you something. There's going to be a world for God to destroy when he returns. So don't worry about it. Let's be good stewards of the earth. We don't need to pollute. We don't need to ruin the environment. But i got to tell you, we couldn't. The earth is much more powerful than the, the earth that God created is much more powerful than we are. Amen? I just have to, I have to put this last one here. Okay? I know some of you are afraid I'm going to get splinters when I do that. But I, it's so important that we understand this. All the CO2 emissions that man puts out that's supposedly changing the earth is overshadowed by one volcano. You know, the, these people, they just young people, they're just lying to you. Anytime you hear somebody talking about all this stuff, please understand they are lying to you. We have a God that created the world and he made it in such a way that, that we're going to have it until God doesn't want us to have it anymore. All right, go with me. Go with me to chapter 48. Look at verse 3. The Bible says, I have declared the former things from the beginning, and they went forth out of my mouth, and I showed them. I did them suddenly, and they came to pass. Because I knew, listen to his description of Israel, because I knew that thou art obstinate, and thy neck is as an iron sinew, and thy brow brass. You're stiff-necked and hard-headed. Got a head like brass. That's what God's saying to them. Okay? Look at verse 5. I have even from the beginning declared it to thee. Before it came to pass, I showed it thee, lest thou should say, Mine idol hath done them, and my graven image and my molten image hath commanded them. Thou hast heard, see all this, and will not ye declare it? I have showed thee new things from this time, even hidden things that thou didst not know them. Man, our God, the Creator, He created the world, and then He tells us what's going to happen. Look at what it says in verse 12. Hearken unto me, O Jacob, and Israel, my called. I am He, I am the first, I also am the last. Mine hand also hath laid the foundation of the earth, and my right hand hath spanned the heavens when I call unto them. They stand up together. Imagine God's going to call the heavens to stand up. I don't know what that means, but it's going to be cool. Cause the heavens to stand up. What an amazing God that we have. You know what's interesting about creation and that God is the creator? It is the constant understanding of the Bible. So I know I've mentioned this to you before, but I just heard this week that there are some independent Baptists in the Northeast, and they're starting this gospel movement, and they're using the materials of Timothy Keller. And remember, Timothy Keller is the one who was in conversation with Eric Metaxas when Eric Metaxas asked him if he believed, do you believe in a literal Adam? 
And then Metaxas said, I don't know of any intelligent person who believes in a literal Adam. Now, how many of you believe in a literal Adam? I guess we're all just stupid. What a statement. And Timothy Keller said that he believes in evolution, that God created the world through evolution, and then did create a literal Adam and put him into the world that had evolved. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. So let's look at what... Remember, that's where Christianity is going. Modern Christianity is moving away from a literal understanding of a literal six-day creation. So let's see what the believers in the Bible have said. Look at what Moses said in Exodus chapter 20. Look at verse 11. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 11. Moses, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. So in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that in them is. So did Moses believe in a literal six-day creation? Yes, yes. Let's see what, uh, not only did, did he believe that, look what David wrote in Psalm 146. And of course, God being the creator is all through the Psalms, but let's look at this particular one, Psalm 146. And look at verse 5. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his, what's that word? Help. Any of you ever been in trouble? <laughs> Aren't you glad you got the God of Jacob for your help? Praise the Lord for that. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God, which made heaven and earth, the sea and all that therein is, which keepeth truth forever. What are, and this, this Psalm 146, I really recommend that you study it out. What an encouragement. Psalm 146 is. But this God that is here to help you, that will make you happy, he demonstrates his power by creating everything. Is that pretty powerful? Yes, that's the God that we trust in. You know, I, I think about people who are in trouble, who have health issues. Um, uh, Tim Roth was able to share with us this rare cancer that he had and how God healed him. See, the Creator knows how to take those things that the doctors don't know how to handle and heal them. Aaron Edwards, of course, is here. And what God did for him. Jeff Faggard, I mentioned to you that I was with him last week. And the cancer, he had a 5% chance of living for a year. And the doctor just looked at his reports and said, I don't understand how this happened. I don't, you don't have cancer. I don't understand. Now, now, God chooses sometimes to allow us to go home to be with him through the cancer. And that reveals his love and power, right? But sometimes he heals us to reveal his love and power. And see, that creator who understands how you are made because he made you, he has a much greater understanding than any doctor in the world. Praise God for doctors, right? We're not saying don't go to the doctor. If that's what you're hearing me say, you're not hearing me. What I'm saying is that God understands you better than any doctor, 
because he is the great physician. Amen? That's the God that we worship. So not only Moses and David, let's see what Paul wrote. Look at Colossians chapter 1. One of the greatest intellects to ever live, the Apostle Paul. Colossians chapter 1. And I love the way that God inspired these words, the beauty of it. Look at verse 16. For by him, Colossians 1.16, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and by him all things consist. So it, it, this is such an interesting thing. The Apostle Paul in the book of Colossians, we've been through this before, but just, I'm, I'm, and I'm not going to go into too much detail on it. But remember, he's dealing with Greek philosophy in the book of Colossians. He's dealing with Greek philosophy. And this idea, how did the world get here? Well, the Greek philosophers tried to come up with that. God is answering that in the book of Colossians. It's all created by him and for him. And not only that, by him it all consists. And one day he's going to let it go. Right? Then look at Hebrews chapter 11. We think that the Apostle Paul wrote Hebrews. The Bible doesn't tell us that. But we think that's who wrote it. Look at Hebrews chapter 11. And I want everybody to um, really focus in. If you're having a hard time today, you know, people are tired you might be getting a little drowsy. Wake up! Right for this one, because I really want you to see it. This one's really cool. How many of you hope I never make that sound again? Would you say amen? Okay. <laughs> it was awful. All right. Hebrews 11, look at verse 3. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Through faith, we understand this. It's interesting. I, I just think this is so fascinating. Just in the last few years, physicists caught up to the Bible. Now they understand that there was a point somewhere in the past where everything began. And they just don't understand how it happened. We do. Notice what the Bible says and how specific the language is here. Through faith, not through evidence, not through research, through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. So there was a time when there was no matter, when there was no time when there was no energy. And God created everything out of nothing. How wonderful is it that science is finally catching up with the Bible? And people say that the Bible is not a science book. Au contraire. The Bible is the only science book. If modern science disagrees with the Bible... That science is wrong. And what's so funny is eventually it will catch up with the Bible. And that's been proven over 
and over and over again. And so through faith we understand. But now, I want us to look, one more, and then I want to look at some of the explanations that people have for the world. Go to uh, Mark chapter 13. Let's see what Jesus said. And of course, there's so many places that we could go to. But let's just look at this one. Mark 13 and verse 19. This is where Jesus Christ is describing the tribulation. The tribulation period that's coming. Mark 13 and verse 19 For in those days shall be affliction such as was not from the beginning of the creation which God created unto this time, neither shall be. Now, what I like is there was a beginning of the creation, but God created. All right, so he made sure that there was a beginning and that God did it. So now, there are just a few explanations that the world has come up with for how we got here. And let's just look at a couple of those briefly. The first one is that the universe has always been here. Well, we know that that's not true because that's a violation of the second law of thermodynamics, which is entropy. Everything tends from order to disorder, not from disorder to order. How many of you, your house is getting better? How many of you, your appliances are getting better? Right? How many of you, your body is getting better? You kids, it will. It'll get better. And then it just goes away like that. You won't believe it. And your life is misery and you're going to hate every minute of it. Not quite that bad, but then you fall in a stream because you have bifocals and you can't see the rocks. All right. So the universe has always been here. And that's, you know, uniformitarianism, you know, that and no one believes in uniformitarianism anymore. Isn't that interesting? But the Bible says that there are some people the world has continued as it was from the beginning. God says that they're idiots, all right? The Bible says that they are willingly ignorant. Dave McCracken said, dumb on purpose, willingly ignorant. So the universe has always been here. How about this? The universe came about naturally from nothing. The universe came about naturally from nothing. That violates the first law of thermodynamics. Matter can't be, matter and energy can't be created or destroyed. It, it doesn't make any sense at all. How many of you recognize that doesn't, that makes absolutely no sense? You understand the explanations that they're coming up with are way more far-fetched than God did it. How about this one, the third one? The universe is not really here. It's an illusion. I think that must have come out of the 60s. Oh, man, we're not really here, man. So I don't don't think, you know, some people believe that, but they've been watching Matrix Matrix movies or something. All right, then, then the, this, my, what, this, my notes here are old. Now there's also the multiverse explanation, the multiverse. I watched that new Spider-Man movie at home, and it's so funny. They talk about the multiverse. They talk about those four fundamental elements that God deals with in Colossians chapter 2. It is so funny. Everything they're saying, the Bible says that didn't happen. It was hilarious. I, I just, honestly, it was... Hilarious. So, but they talk about this multiverse thing. Let's say that there are. I don't think there are, but let's say that they are. What did Hebrews 11 say? Look at it. Go back to Hebrews 11.3. They can't get away from God. Hebrews 11.3. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed. 
If there are, and I don't think there are, but if there, if there really is this multiverse, that there are multiple universes that we don't know about, well, then God made them out of nothing. See, here's the problem. All they do is all these, these anti-God people, they just kick the can a little farther down the road. So, so let's say the multiverse does exist. Well, where did they come from? That's not an explanation. The fact that there are other worlds doesn't explain where those other worlds came from. If there are other worlds, where'd they come from? God. And he made them out of nothing. That's the God that we worship. And then, of course, the, the, the crazy one is panspermia. So that you have these aliens that came to our earth and seeded life on the earth. Okay, great. Where did the aliens come from? You see, all they do is, what's crazier, God did it or E.T. did it? It doesn't make any sense at all. Alf did not create life on earth. It's so dumb. Remember, uh, Martin the Martian, I'll kill you with my disintegrating ray gun. He did not create the world. You see how nutty it gets when Hanna-Barbera it makes more sense than science. You know that things are just way too far out of whack. God did it. God did it. So we have these different views that, that it came, it's always existed. That's silly. That it, it created itself logical fallacy. That it doesn't really exist. We're all in an illusion. That you've got the multiverse. You've got the panspermia. None of these explanations make any sense, here's the explanation that does. The universe was created out of nothing supernaturally and miraculously by a supreme intelligence that is self-existing. And that supreme intelligence has revealed himself in a book and then he has demonstrated that that book is supernatural by putting fulfilled prophecies in it. All of the prophecies about Jesus Christ that have come true no one else could do that. Only God can do that. Amen? And what I love is the God that did all of that, he cares about me. He cares about me. He has a plan for my life. He knows, every, he knows my thoughts afar off, the Bible says. He knows when I'm running away from him. He knows when I'm hiding from him. He knows when I'm hurting. He knows when I'm believing. He knows when I'm weak. He knows when I'm strong. And he loves me through all of it because none of it ever surprises him. Because he made me. He formed the spirit that is in me. Do you ever not like yourself? That happens to me. Then I got so frustrated. With, let me, I'll give you an example. I, you know, how many of you have noticed that I have a good memory? Have you ever noticed that? I forget the stupidest stuff. I go to preach 15 times in New York this week. I forgot my computer. I had no notes to go and preach 15 times. I had no notes. You know what I did? I called Nathan. He found him on the, on the cloud or something and got me my notes. Hallelujah for Nathan Brynick. Praise God. And I told Laura... Sometimes I hate myself. How I forget the most mundane things that you have to have. I can't stand it. But what I have to remember is God made me this way. God created me. He created me. 
So when I say that I can't stand myself, what am I saying? God, you messed up. God, you messed up bad. What do I need to say? God, why did you make me this way? <laughs> Amen? Anybody else, all you feel that way sometimes? Why, why am I this way? God made you that way for a reason. Because you can offer him something that no one else can. You can help people in a way that no one else can. God created you for a specific purpose. And one of the things, and I've got to be done. My time's up. One of the things, let's all stand together. One of the things that I love about coming home, and I mentioned it in the Sunday school hour. I mentioned it at the beginning when we were talking about Clue. I'm so thankful for the people that God has brought into my life here at Grace Baptist Church. You people, you provide things in my life that I would never have had if I didn't meet you. I'm so th- isn't it wonderful that God created the church so that he brings all of these people together and none of you are unimportant. And I'm not trying to do the Joel Osteen thing. God wants you to be happy. That, that's not what I'm doing. But I'm telling you, God created you and brought you here for a reason. And he's gifted you to bring something to this body that no one else can bring. And it's a combination of your strengths and weaknesses. And we need all of it. We need all of it. And I'm so thankful that you're here. And when you start feeling like life is hard and that that you're messing up and you wonder, why can't I overcome this? God knows every bit of it. He is your creator. And he is supremely powerful. And he's brought that into your life for a reason. Sometimes that reason we never know. Other times God reveals that reason to us. In this way, all of a sudden you meet somebody that's gone through the exact same thing that you have. And either that person strengthens you or you strengthen them. That's how God made us. That's the church. Isn't that wonderful? I love it. Zechariah 1, it starts to introduce these amazing prophecies, but it begins by saying, I'm the creator. I stretched out the heavens. I'm the one who can declare this. That's the God that we're worshiping today. Two questions for you. How's your faith? How's your faith? Is your faith weak right now? Is your faith strong right now? Number two, are you going through trouble? If you're going through trouble, remember the God that you're praying to is the one who can fix anything because he made it all. He can do it all. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for the offer that you give us of eternal life. And Lord, we don't just get eternal life by existing Lord, we have to be saved.